Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the CCGI podcast. They still haven't taken us off the air. Last week we interviewed Dr. Peter Stilwell and discussed his work with the Nova Scotia PBRN and his studies as a PhD student at Dalhousie University. This week we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Ayla Azad, a chiropractor in Ontario who is also a CCGI opinion leader and instructor at CMCC and president of the Ontario Chiropractic Association. Before we speak with Ayla, Kent and I would like to discuss the new scope expansion announcement in Ontario. So Kent, I'm, I'm sure you've heard by now the, the OCA, the Ontario Chiropractic Association, and the College of Chiropractors of Ontario are expecting to move forward with the scope expansion. Uh, very exciting news. Can you share some details about this announcement? Well, from, from what I've understood, um, September 20th, Ontario's Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care sent the OCA and CCO a letter stating that it was planning on moving forward with granting chiropractors the authority to order selected lab tests and diagnostic ultrasound. Now, it's important to note that the changes to diagnostics haven't come, come into effect yet. The ministry only sent a letter, so there's really no telling how long it, it would take to finalize this, a scope expansion. Fortunately for us, we have the perfect guest to discuss this with us. Fantastic. So I'll introduce our, for our guest today. Uh, Dr. Ayla Zod graduated from Palmer College of Chiropractic in 1995. Soon after graduating, she began working at the Palmer Center for Chiropractic Research, where she was involved in clinical research and education. Dr. Azad has been in private practice at Total Rehab, a multidisciplinary rehab clinic in Ajax, Ontario, since 1999. She's also been teaching at the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College since then in the Chiropractic Therapeutics, Principles and Practice and Clinical Diagnosis Departments. Dr. Azad has been on the Board of Directors for the Ontario Chiropractic Association since 2007 and is currently serving as President and Chair of the Board uh, since, 19, or since 2015. Dr. Azad is currently completing her Master's in Business Administration, her MBA degree, from Athabasca University. Ayla, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to, to be speaking with you. Yeah. Um, I guess my first question is, with everything that you do, how do you actually find time to sleep? <laughs> Listen, uh, Kent, sleep is overrated. That's what I... <laughs> determined and uh, I uh, you know it's uh, it's all about really good time management and being very passionate and loving what you're doing so it doesn't feel like work to me I um, you know I teach I, I run my practice and usually in the evenings once my children are tucked into bed I I start reading about um, business and all my MBA stuff so it just seems to work out and it also helps that I have a fantastic partner and husband who uh, helps me. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so yes. since we were talking about the scope expansion in Ontario, maybe you could tell us a bit about how the scope expansion came about and, and what it means for chiropractors in Ontario. So um, the scope expansion thing was, was really, uh, you know, for, for us it seems like, yay, look, we did it. And, you know, it's it's here's these letters that we got. But really it's been the work that um, organizations like the OCA have been doing for absolutely years and years and years because you know policy change in Ontario is uh, it's slow <laughs> it takes a long time and it's this consistent advocacy that's required and really the OCA has been working with politicians and the bureaucracy over many many years so the groundwork was laid and really it was because of that groundwork that we ended up taking uh, advantage of this incredible opportunity 
opportunity. So there are three specific areas of scope expansion. There's the ordering rights for lab tests, ordering rights for diagnostic ultrasound, and an expansion of hospital ordering rights for plain film x-ray. And these are packaged with changes for a number of uh, other professions. So, um, you know, there have been a number of reviews of lab services, as I said, over the past like 20 years or so. And the OCA and, and uh, chiropractors have made the case for ordering rights uh, for chiropractic during that time, all this time. But then really in 2006, that's when um, there was a... Um, Health professions, long word here, it's uh, HPRAC, which is Health Professions Regulatory Advisory Council, um, that put out a report recommending laboratory rights for a number of professions, and it didn't mention chiropractors. So the OCA immediately began the process of being included, and um, you know, ultimately when the government decided to move forward, uh, we were at the table at the right time and had done all the right work. And uh, so we're now a part of this and it's, it's been amazing and it's really a reflection of, of the increased regard the Ontario government has for the chiropractic profession today and um, because of all the work that's been already done. So we're really excited about it. Oh, that's, uh, that's great progress. It's, it's really nice to see. So, in addition to your role with the OCA, you've also you're also an instructor at CMCC, as you said. And actually, you taught both Galen and I. Um, <laughs> I, I. I'm not sure how that makes you I feel. I do but remember <laughs> that. I remember that. <laughs> you're you're partly responsible for this. So, <laughs> when you're teaching, how do you how do you incorporate best evidence into your teaching practice? Um, so it's it's very much top of mind in everything that we do at CMCC, uh, any curriculum that we're um, putting out, we think about evidence and best evidence, best practice. Uh, so we try and frame everything around evidence-based practice, the, you know, the three pillars of uh, the best available evidence, clinician uh, judgment and, and patient values. Uh, and, and we try and roll that in. So even if I'm teaching in technique, for example, and I'm showing people a cross bilateral adjustment, I try and bring in clinical pearls, clinical examples, evidence, where you would use this, why would you use this, when would you use this, how you can use evidence to, to make a good decision for your, for your patient. For me, the, where I use it probably the most in teaching is the newer uh, course in third year where we actually, it's a clinical education course, where we actually work through cases with a small group of students. And so students are presented with a case that uh, could be any case that walks into a chiropractic office, and then they have to work through the case, starting from the history, the physical exam, come up with a list of differential diagnoses, uh, and then uh, develop a treatment plan. And that's really where we bring that whole intersection of those three pillars of evidence-informed uh, care into play and where we can, you know, use a lot of the resources that are out there for students to try and put together these treatment plans that are grounded in, in uh, evidence-informed practice. Now, Ila, um, building on that, I mean, as you practice uh, yourself, how what suggestions would you give chiropractors uh, and new graduates, especially uh, for how to build a successful evidence-informed practice? 
You know, I think the groundwork we're doing at CMCC is helping a lot um, because I think one of the biggest issues is that chiropractors, especially in the field, sometimes when I've been discussing evidence with them and some of the workshops that I've been involved in, there's this fear that if you use evidence, uh, especially if there isn't any evidence for what you're doing, then you can't do it. And so there's this fear that evidence will change how you practice or it might to devalue what you're doing because you can't say, well, I've got evidence for this. Um, and so I, I think the first step is understanding that, that evidence is not about changing, uh, you know, how you're practicing. It's about helping you make better decisions for your patients. So by demonstrating, especially to the students before they even get into clinic and then out into the into the world, that evidence really helps make you a better practitioner. Has I th I think is going to help a great deal. And then in practice, having examples and being able to see practitioners like myself and all the other practitioners, uh, and telling them, you know. Uh, you know, I go to the CCGI website all the time. I, I've actually sat with my patients and gone over some of the evidence um, that uh, the CCGI has put out the, the, uh, on their website. I think it's a fantastic tool. And patients love it. Um, and I've, I've been telling my students that a lot. And they are now finding and seeing how impactful something like that can be and how it really helps build that relationship with your patient, which ultimately is going to make you more successful in practice. So I think a lot of it is breaking down the fear that surrounded this and this fear of research that it's, you know, I can't read it. It's complicated. Uh, let the researchers do it in their labs, you know, um, but giving them examples saying it's not scary and it does not have to devalue what you're doing. It can, in fact, have a huge impact on how you make decisions and the best decisions for your patients. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's adding value to, to practice. It's, it's enhancing what you already do in, in many cases. And it's, in, you know, research often, it's not meant to be prescriptive necessarily. It's, it's an adjunct. Exactly. So, so you're, 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 I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. Um, now we, uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I was just, you know, just an example, last week I was sitting with one of my patients and I was showing them some of the evidence on um, uh, looking at some of the neck pain guidelines. And uh, one of the comments that she made to me was she looked at me and she said, I am so impressed that chiropractors even have all this stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> nice. she just, she, <laughs> you know, she was so impressed with the website and she's like, this is amazing. She's like, I, I can't even believe that she goes, you chiropractors are so well organized. And she was just thrilled with this website. And I was just showing her some of the neck pain stuff because she has chronic neck pain. And uh, she said, oh, I'm, I'm going to show this to my husband. And this is fantastic. I'd, so, you know, not only, you know, was it impactful for this patient, but now she's going to go away and tell people that, you know, how organized the profession is, how um, excited she was that, that the chiropractor you know, and she said, the chiropractic profile, you guys have, you know, you've got all this research and science. This is great. Um, so it elevated, if you will, her, her impression of what we do as chiropractors just in her mind. And she's only going to go and spread that news, right, to all to all her, her people. And um, it, what an impact that'll have for the whole profession. I, I just think it'll elevate the, the profession as a whole in people's minds. 
Definitely. And for, and for those building a practice, I mean, that's, that's a great way to get word of mouth referrals too. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I tell students all the time, I keep track in my office on how, uh, you know, where patients come from. And over the, like, since 1999, I've been in practice for a long time, um, the single most um, referrals has been word of mouth. Nothing has beaten word of mouth in all these years. Even now with all the social media and internet and all that stuff, it doesn't even come close to the word of mouth referrals that we get. So that is is really going to be your best tool and if you can use evidence and research and you know great uh, resources like the CCGI website it will only enhance those relationships and increase your referrals and therefore build your practice. Fantastic I mean well um, I really want to thank you for your time Ella. We're, we're running out of it um, but we're really thrilled to have you with us today. Um, for for the listeners of the show it's, it's that time where we we ask you for a favor, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd like to t- you to take two minutes out of your day to, to open up a Twitter account if you don't already have one. Um, I, I don't necessarily use Twitter to to reach patients, but I use Twitter to collaborate with other chiropractors, colleagues, uh, researchers, to follow journals. Uh, you can follow the CCGI, the OCA, Kent, or myself. Um, you know, it, it's a great way to stay connected. Yeah, I've, right. I've been... I do have Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I don't know how to use it. I don't know how to use it, but I do have a Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been a late adopter to Twitter myself, but I, I found it really helpful for keeping up to date on things that are happening on happening in the profession here in Canada and, and around the world, too. Um, so, yeah, Ayla, again, we'd, we'd really like to thank you for joining us and, and thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We'll look forward to bringing you our next guest in two weeks, who will be uh, Michael Haichu, who's the Director of Public Affairs for the Canadian Chiropractic Association. We'll be asking him about his work with the CCA and, and how he uses research to guide his advocacy work. That hopes, we hope that prompts to be another great show. Bye for now. <laughs>